You're listening to a Fat Cat Media podcast. This is the Road Less Travelled, presented by Nikki Shay. Welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Travel podcast. Nikki Shea back in the travelling seat with you. The Road Less Travel, an Australian podcast which documents and captures, I guess, what we could describe as the Australian spirit of travel, discovery and adventure, where each week, together, we'll experience adventures all around Australia. And as you know, there's always a story involved as each week we're out caravanning, four-wheel driving, fishing, camping, gold detecting, cooking and exploring places, history and visiting destinations all rolled into each episode. The Road Less Travel podcast is totally self-funded, independent podcast. We'd love your support. And if you've got something you think we should feature, review, discover or explore, please drop us a line. You can follow us on social media through Facebook and Instagram, also on YouTube as well. And if you'd like to drop us a line, you can email the show fatcat at iinet.net.au. You can find out more about what we do with Fat Cat Media by visiting the website fatcatmedia.com.au. And if you wish to give me a phone call or SMS, it's 042752. 8467. So this week I thought we'd talk about a, a few little different things rolled into this week's episode which happens to fall right in the midst of school holidays in most states or those who are just about to start school holidays or those who have finished in each state of Australia and some adventures that you can do but first of all I thought I'd have a chat to you about some uh, gold detecting. I get a lot of people that email or direct messages um, asking what's the best detector, how to get involved, have I had any luck? Well listener coming closer yes I have had some luck I recently purchased a second hand so it was a new detector to me but second hand uh, SDC 2300 mine lab um detector i'd been using a gold monster 1000 another one from mine lab um with pretty good mixed sort of results mixed success so it was time to upgrade and well i'm going to, still going to keep the the gold monster 1000 for that's a, a detector for specific kind of areas to look at and the stc 2300 is another one that's a specific detector for um different ground and different terrain so I thought this week we'd have a little bit of a chat about detecting and what kind of people sort of enjoy metal detecting and why. Well, I guess it comes with people of all shapes and sizes, men, women, boys and girls, serious prospectors and, like I was, a bit of a part-time hobbyist, country folk and city slickers too. And I guess despite the differences, there's been plenty of things in common and that's a yearning sort of for freedom and adventure and, I guess, a spirit of exploration, a curiosity to find what's out there and optimism for discovery. And we can also, I guess, credit a lot of those Discovery shows that you see on TV on the Discovery Channel, uh, Gold Rush Alaska, um, Aussie Gold Prospectors, all those kinds of things, the Opal Hunters, all that sort of stuff. And when you go detecting, exploring and searching and fossicking for a multitude of reasons, the places that you can go to explore the, I guess, mysteries that lie beneath the surface, they're as varied as the people who go out there looking for them themselves. But there's always a common excitement, and that is the excitement of discovery. Gold fever, I don't know if you want to call it that. Now, not every expedition results in an exciting discovery but detecting is also I guess to what we could say a bit of a lifestyle choice based on a love of the great outdoors embracing the challenge of discovery and enjoying a relaxing stress-free day of exploration it's almost and a great analogy as I've used before it's like a day out fishing if you catch something fishing all well and good Uh, if you get something out there detecting all well and good as well but it's just the fact of being out there now some prospectors are professional business people escaping the confines of the 
big cities. Others are retirees or travellers through the great southern land. Some of them too are hobbyists and some become so infatuated with prospecting that it becomes a full-time passion. They also call it a noble art, prospecting. It's also a pursuit you can undertake by yourself or with friends or family while at the beach, exploring the bush, or while you're on a picnic or camping trip. And if you're keen enough, you can also join a prospecting club. You can make new friends and share your interest. So if you want to get involved in it, it's arguably the most glamorous field of metal detecting is gold prospecting. The search for gold nuggets can be very rewarding, also very enjoyable as a pastime too. Researching information about gold prospecting and geology can really improve your chances of searching in the right places and in, sort of in, achieving a really significant payoff. Many gold fields that produced good qualities and good quantities of gold in the olden days are often good environments of which to prospect and many of these areas have been revived as an excellent search location as a result of improvements in metal detector performance. You'll be pleased to know that recent advancements in metal detection technology, it really provides a greater depth for effective searching and improved recovery rates for gold nuggets and other precious metals too. And with a little research by you and the high quality detection equipment and expert advice that's available for many of the gold prospecting shops prospecting and gold food can certainly be rewarding fun for weekend fossickers and serious prospectors in fact there are numerous people who make as i said a full-time living from gold prospecting by driving from goldfield to goldfield uncovering nuggets and pursuing the lure and luster of gold and remember if it was easy then everybody would be out doing it so where do you go detecting well, most new prospectors want to know where to go and where to get started, and it's true that research, local knowledge, and a sixth sense can be very, very handy, but also a true, I guess, indication is a countless locations where you'll be able to exercise your spirit of exploration and discovery. There are numerous places of advice. I'd, if you are looking at getting a detector, go and have a look, at, chat to the guys that actually sell the detectors, and they'll provide you with advice. Also available there, too, at these uh uh, prospecting in stores, geological maps and information to improve your chances of prospecting in favourable locations and with information about joining prospecting clubs and groups where smart tips are shared between like-minded prospectors. So to give you an idea of the many sites and locations where you could make useful discoveries while enjoying the pleasures of the great outdoors, try some of these but just also make sure that you obtain permission before entering any private property. So some places... As uh, old gold fields and mineral exploration areas, uh, old gold mining sites, old mining sites, uh, ghost towns, historical town sites, abandoned sites as beaches, showgrounds and race courses, picnic areas, battlefields as well, camping and sporting grounds, swimming areas, parks and playgrounds, and around jetties and piers. There are all there are these also additional information for other good research sources such as the local library or historical society, your your local state department of mines. There's also newspaper archives, local town plans, etc. And if if possible, also tap into the local knowledge by talking to old identities and some of the locals in the areas where you're searching and visiting. Lastly, see if there's a detector club in your area, and I really recommend you join them, and not only will they give you, and you'll be able to learn valuable tips and cunning ideas about the art of metal detector, you'll get information about the more prospective search sites, and you'll make new friends too, and after all, that's one of the key benefits of joining the world of prospecting. 
Now, detecting for coins, jewellery and relics is by far the most widely enjoyed form of metal detecting around the world. And after centuries of making metal items of value, every country has a myriad of objects of great historical interest to be found. And they're you know, things like valuable items like coins, war relics, gold rings, jewellery, may have been hidden for many years just out of sight, but within easy reach of your metal detector. And you'll find many objects of real commercial value, or maybe you might be interested in finding cultural artifacts and historical relics that can unlock the past life of an area. Now, one thing that I haven't really sort of taken much interest is is water and beach hunting. And it's one of the most fascinating and I guess two fastest growing areas for metal detecting. And that goes hand in hand with the development and improvement of waterproof metal detection equipment over a period of years. For example, the Mind Lab Excalibur 2 detector. And these have encouraged prospectors to get their feet wet in the search of coins, jewellery, relics and other valuable metal artefacts. Metal detectors are now so sophisticated to operate effectively in freshwater and saltwater environments and at depths of up to 200 feet. This development allows divers to search for valuable metal objects from the shallow shoreline in deeper water too. And perhaps you might want to combine your interests, or develop new interests for that matter, in both metal detecting and snorkelling or scuba diving. I guess some detecting tips. The basic tip for metal detecting is to go slow and stay low. This means that the speed that you sweep the coil across the ground should be slow and the coil should pass across the ground in an even sweep. That is as close to the ground as possible. And if you are detecting in gold fields, it's important to always be ground balanced. And this involves a detector compensating for the natural background mineralogy of the ground over which you are sweeping. Detectors have an automatic tracking which will maintain an effective ground balance setting as you undertake your detection sweeps. However, detectors with manual ground balance should be checked regularly and readjusted when required to suit the terrain in which you're actually prospecting in. And when undertaking your research for gold prospecting areas, don't overlook old records, original maps and surveys, or historical geological reports, and don't limit your exploration to just well-known gold fields. Small sub-economic gold-carrying ore fields can be very productive for an individual prospector, even when these locations are unsuitable for large commercial exploration companies. In addition, due to the economics of the larger-scale gold extraction industry, the bigger explorers can move on to richer tenements before all the available gold is exhausted, and these locations can provide really good opportunities for the individual prospector to experience the enjoyment of the search whilst having a good opportunity of locating some of the very precious stuff. And always remember too, just because you have any, you've invested in your new metal detector and other prospecting equipment, you don't have to be the right to stroll onto private property. You will need to arrange for authorization to prospect in a number of areas. For example, if you are gold prospecting, you will need to acquire a prospecting license or a miner's right before you start your prospecting expedition. And if you're detecting on sports grounds, city parks and other public facilities, you may need to seek permission from the local local shire or the local council. However though folks, the good news is the prospecting licenses and other permissions are generally inexpensive and easy to obtain. And as I mentioned before, your local gold prospecting gold prospecting or metal detecting store can advise you about what licenses you may need and where to get them so please talk to them the next time you're in their store and simply drop in and have a chat to them too and when you find a spot that's giving you good results slow down and detect thoroughly as there's sure to be more for the careful searcher remember when setting discrimination levels on your detector keep them as low as possible 
It's better to dig up the occasional piece of rubbish than to miss an important find like an ice piece of jewellery or some sort of historical artefact. And a final tip, make sure you enjoy yourself. This is the most important thing. You won't find something amazing every time you go exploring, but this is exactly what makes those special discoveries so special. So what's the best metal detector for gold? If you want to find gold with a metal detector, locating the elusive gold nugget or gold flake can become a reality with the correct equipment. Unlike treasure hunting for coins, jewelry or relics, selecting the correct equipment for gold prospecting, it requires careful consideration. So if you're looking for large quantities of buried gold coins or gold bullions or gold nuggets or flakes, what you need to make sure is what your budget is where you intend to go, so the destination, the kind of terrain, whether it's going to be in Western Australia, if it's in Tasmania, if it's up in the Northern Territory, Queensland, New South Wales or Victoria, where it is that you're actually going to be doing your detecting. Those two things are really important to put into into perspective and then go out and do your research. As I said earlier, go into your local prospecting store, have a chat to the guys there and you will get the best advice on what you can get for your budgets or more bang for your buck and you're also talking to the people that use them sell them and also that while they're there to sell them they also use what they sell so their advice is second to none and do your research if you're not happy with that particular store go to a few more stores ask questions join a prospecting club jump onto some forums and jump onto some facebook groups as well there is plenty of detectors out there but make sure that you make the right choice in that choice comes down to personal preference and as I said earlier what your budget is where you intend to do it whether it's going to be a hobby if you're going to be a full-time prospector all those kind of things to put into perspective and into the equation and once you do go, do all that research and get out there and get your detector I look forward to seeing you out there because it's the best fun that you can have and as I said earlier I equate it very much to fishing if you go out there and catch fish fantastic if you go out there and get some gold or you find some coins or something like that it's fantastic but uh, if you've been out there and just had a good day that's what it's all about and my my haul for probably about four hours of being out on the gold fields in Victoria with this uh, SDC 2300 I got 0.9 of a gram of gold three nice little uh, pieces of gold nuggets so I was very very happy with that and you'll be happy too if you get out there and explore Australia uh, with a gold detector or coin relic detector you'll uh, you'll get a new hobby so that that's just a little bit of an introduction on gold detecting and the kind of um i guess things to put into perspective whether you want to build for gold if it want to, if you want to be around beaches coins all that kind of stuff now if like us you're in the market for a new caravan maybe it's a camper trailer maybe a new tent I thoroughly recommend coming up if you're in Melbourne, and it will be going to, if it hasn't already been to um, your local area, it's the Melbourne Leisure Fest, the official industry show. It's on Thursday the 6th to the to Sunday the 9th of October here in Melbourne. You can find it at the Sandown Racecourse. Tickets are available online only. That's where you've got to jump onto their website, which is melbourneleisurefest.com.au. You can buy tickets um, for the event, and it shows you uh, how to get to the Sandown Racecourses easier there's free parking available at the Sandown Racecourse and easy access to the Sandown Park Railway Station too which is also important 
Taking place, as I said, from Thursday the 6th of October through to Sunday the 9th of October, the Melbourne Leisure Fest is your one-stop shop for all things caravan and camping. It will showcase more caravans, pop-tops, tents, camper trailers, motorhomes, camper vans and touring accessories than ever before. And visitors to Melbourne Leisure Fest will be the first to see many of these new products on display. And additionally, you can plan your next great adventure by getting information about tourist attractions from all over Australia. On their website, there's an exhibitors list. Um, There's also the actual locations, 25Ks out of the Melbourne CBD. And if you want to become an exhibitor, you better jump on there very, very quickly. It's proudly sponsored by the Caravan Industry of Victoria. And for more information, jump onto the website, melbourneleisurefest.com.au, and hope to see you there, and uh, we'll hopefully pick up a good bargain too. You're listening to the Road Less Travel Podcast. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be looking at some of the best Australian road trips you can do with the kids during this school holidays. Back with more in just a moment. Fat Cat Media's Nikki Shea is available for seminars and motivational speaking. Be inspired. We really enjoy and receive a lot of satisfaction and overwhelming feedback in conducting motivational seminars. Using her privileged position of profile, Nikki's openness and willingness to share her struggles with cancer and mental health over the past decade will inspire you. This involves giving motivational speeches and inspiring people to challenge themselves and become better at what they want to become better at. Relying on years as a business owner in motorsport and the industry, plus in the media, Nikki will challenge and transform her audiences. A motivational and inspirational speaker has the power to change the room. Nikki Shea is an inspiring speaker, guaranteed to invoke tears of laughter, joy and empathy. For more information, give Nikki a call on 042 752 8467, email at or visit the website fatcatmedia.com.au. Fat Cat Media offers consultancy and advice if you are a motocross racer, motorcycle racer, trying to get ahead in the sport, or perhaps you have a business in the motorcycle industry or you're hosting an event, a stage show or a race meeting. With over 25 years industry knowledge and experience, we can help on a variety of platforms, whether it be as a racer or for those within the motorcycle and motorsport industry. We help you individually and your event with clear and strong strategic plans with direction on how to achieve your goals as a racer or hosting an event within the industry. For more information, email fatcat at iinet.net.au. You're listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast with Nikki Shea. Worse when you're travelling with kids, or when you are a kid, and all you want to do is get there. I used to read books and used to get told off for reading books in the car rather than looking out the window and seeing where we we were going, but I just wanted to end up where we were, what the destination was, and want to worry about the journey there. But 13 Australian road trips for family, holidays with kids, and I guess why take the fastest route from A to B when you live in a country famous for its seemingly endless landscapes? I recommend swapping the boarding pass for an undefined map and tackling one of these epic road trips. And we've found the best family road trips in Australia where you can see animals, nature, historical sites and incredible landscapes with the kids. If you're in Western Australia, here is a few cracking road trips. It's the Great South West Edge and travel time 10 to 12 days. That'll take right up to two weeks of the school holidays. The southwestern corner of WA, as we know, we've done plenty of shows from this particular area. It has it all and more, encompassing undulating farmland, ancient forests, world-class wineries and sheltered swimming bays, as well as fields of wildflowers at this time of year too and pods of dolphins frolicking offshore. The route, while well, you traverse a hefty 1,200 kilometres from Perth to Esperance along the Great South West Edge, this family road trip 
will showcase the very best of Margaret River, Denmark, Albany and Bustleton. And don't miss a beach photo opportunity with the kangaroo residents at Lucky Bay. If you're not short on time, circle back to Perth via Hyden and check out the weather-sculpted Wave Rock. And where to stay, there are heaps of places to stay, such as St Mary Inlet, the Moingup Springs, Boran Up, and just some of the three countless back-to-back nature campsites in the region. And it takes you from Perth down to Rockingham, Bunbury, Bustleton, down Margaret River, all the way down through Albany, then across to Esperance that way, and then you can go up home, as we said, via Hyden, Wave Rock, or you can nip up to Norseman, Kalgoorlie, and then come back that way. There's some also lesser-known WA road trips, and we've covered one of them with the Golden Quest Discovery Trail. The travel time of this one is three days. If eerie ghost towns, rugged landscapes and classic Aussie pubs sound up your alley, follow in the footsteps of legendary pioneers through what is probably one of the world's biggest gold-producing regions. And you can take a newly purchased gold detector too. The route, well, this is 965 kilometres off the beaten track. Road trip covers WA's goldfields and wheat belt from Coolgardie to Laverton. Don't miss spotting the striking sculptures around Lake Ballard, standing over Kalgoorlie's Super Pit, one of Australia's at largest active gold mines too, fossicking for nuggets and exploring the spooky streets of deserted gold rush town Gualia. This outback safari is best suited for a four-wheel drive due to the number of really unsealed roads in the area, bring supplies of fuel, water and food and handy tools to avoid a pickle during long driving distances. You can spend the night at Hoover House B&B. It was once home to Herbert Hoover, who went on to become the 31st President of the United States. The Kukanayan Hotel and the Lake Ballard Campground, the latter of which enjoys fantastic views and has on-site loos there too. So you can go from Coolgardie up to Kalgoorlie, Menzies up to Leonora, Laverton, up through that way of Western Australia. And the best West Australian road trip itinerary is, well, passing farmland, ancient forests, desert plains, wineries, sheltered swimming bays, pods of dolphins, a West Australian road trip has it all. And the massive one you can do, the Nullarbor Plains, South Australia to Western Australia travel time, well, four to six days. And if you've got a funky thing for wide open spaces, set your sights on the legendary and almost treeless Nullarbor Plain. First impressions that it's flat and empty aside, there's bundles to see and do and you'll spot bountiful wildlife, emus, kangaroos, dingoes, camels and falcons, just to name a few, maybe a stray UFO, and explore an enigmatic collection of caves and tea off of the world's longest golf course too. I think I said ignamic. Ignamic, that's better. The route is over, well, a minimum of four days. You'll cross three time zones. At 16.75 kilometres, the Nullarbor Plain is the longest stretch of straight road anywhere in the world. It's a two-lane bitumen highway between the Eyre Peninsula and the WA border. Don't miss standing atop the remarkable Bunda Cliffs. The cliffs drop spectacularly into the Southern Ocean below and offer a great vantage spot to spy passing whales too. And while the the road may be sealed, it's very much off the beaten track, so make sure you fill up and pack some extra water. And you can take your pick of where to stay with heaps of motels attached to the roadhouses or numerous caravan parks with campsites. Be sure to spend a night in the historical Shearer's Quarters of Fraser Range National Park. Over to South Australian road trips now, the seafood frontier. Travel time, five to seven days, and when it comes to Aussie seaside drives, the Great Ocean Road is always front of mind. But if you've been there and done that, or don't fancy fighting the traffic, head to the Air Peninsula. Here you will encounter a string of deserted beaches, an abundance of seafood and oceanic encounters. Fancy swimming with sea lions or great white sharks? This is the place you can do it. 
The seafood frontier stretches 700 kilometres from Wyala to Sejuna via Port Lincoln with a long list of side trips. We've done plenty of those on previous episodes of The Road Less Travelled too. And don't miss plucking. I said plucking oysters straight from the sea at Coffin Bay, snorkelling amongst the changing colours of Wyala's giant cuttlefish during their migration, sandboarding at Gunya Beach and discovering the jaw-dropping caves of Talia Beach. Combine this journey with the Nullarbor Plain for an epic adventure through the Great Australian Bight and where to stay, there is heaps. You can do beachside campsites, those scattered all along the coastline. Treat yourself to a deluxe cabin at the Big Four Sejuna Tourist Park or Discovery Park's Streaky Bay foreshore. And you can go through Smoky Bay, Streaky Bay, out to, down through Alliston, down to Coffin Bay, then across to Port Lincoln and then up the um, east coast of the Air Peninsula. We've covered both the east and the west coast of the Air Peninsula on previous episodes of The Road Less Travel. Now we go to the Red Centre, the Red Centre Way in the Northern Territory. Seven days travel time, they say. The Red Centre Way road trip puts you underneath endless starry skies and as close to the middle of nowhere that you can get. Adults and kids alike will get the perspective to look at the world in a whole different new way. Discovered sacred sites and the unique world of the traditional custodians of this wild and desolate land. Now this route is over 1,100 kilometres. It's a loop beginning and ending in the outback town of Alice Springs and it meets the Northern Territory landmarks at every turn. While Uluru, Katachuna and Kings Canyon are the major draw cards, there's plenty of other reasons to linger. And among them are the tranquil swimming holes of the West McDonnell Ranges and the red cabbage palms of Fink Gorge National Park, which exist nowhere else in the world. That's how unique it is. Don't miss Bruce Munro's extraordinary field of light installation. 50,000 poppy-like stems tipped with glowing frosted glass lighting up the red sands in front of Uluru. This is the outback, so come prepared. Although two-wheel drives are quite common in dry weather, bring all the essentials such as water, food and fuel just in case you get into a sticky situation. And as a halfway point between Alice Springs and Uluru, Kings Canyon Resort is perfect for an overnighter, but again, there are so many places to stay, it's not funny. The lesser-known Northern Territory uh, road trip is the Arnhem Way, and that's a travel time of about 7 to 10 days to allow. It's considered one of Australia's last unspoiled wilderness areas. Arnhem Way will transport you to a far-flung land of blazing red earth, open savanna, crock-filled creeks, yes, crock-filled creeks, and azure seas. And then there's the spiritual pool. This part of Australia is home to less than 20,000 people and the traditional owners of the Yongo Nation who have lived here for millennia. This route starts 50 kilometres south of Catherine and finishes in dramatic Nilmboy on the Gove Peninsula. Don't miss browsing the local arts and crafts and you can reward yourself with a sunset drink at the Gove Boat Club joining ab- ab- blah, joining an Aboriginal culture tour and planning overnighters to some of the pristine recreational areas. Preparing a self-guide adventure, you must get a permit from the Northern Land Council as well as some careful planning as this is as remote as it gets. And bask in the isolation of Bremer Island's beach resort. You can sleep under the stars at the Scout Camp camping area and there's home to several large freshwater swimming holes perfect for cooling off just 50 kilometres west of Norway or check in at the Turtle Beach camping site, one of the prettiest of its kind on the peninsula. And again, from Catherine out to East Arnhem, it is quite remote so you make sure that you're packed for it. 
over to Queensland. The Queensland road trip, Cairns to Cape York, doesn't get much brutal than that. <laughs> Travel times, 7 to 10 days. You can show the kiddies what adventure really looks like with a Cape York odyssey. Creek crossings, croc-infested waters, monsoonal wet seasons and lush rainforests bring with elusive wildlife, think tree kangaroos and cassowaries, this is just the very beginning. Now the route, the only place on earth where two World Heritage Sites, which is the Great Barrier Reef and the Daintree Forest, exist side by side. The 1,200km track, yes track, begins at Cairns and ends at Australia's most northern point, aka the tip. Don't miss taking a dip at stunning and crock-free Fruit Bat Falls. It's one of the very few waterholes you can actually swim in along the way. This scenic route is an off-roading nirvana. A four-wheel drive, spare tyres, tyres and extra dunny roll or ten are a must. Roughing it is the name of the game up this way and enjoy some bush camping before indulging in a hot shower at the beachfront Cape York uh, Punchart Bay. It's a little camping area there. The lesser-known road trip, well, there's another one, the Outback Queensland Adventure Way. We've done this one too. Five days, they say, to, to allow for this one. And while bitumen has replaced the rutted roads once used by treading, uh, once tread rather by horse-drawn coaches, it retraces the tracks of the Cobb & Co through Queensland Outback, and it remains remarkably rewarding. You think of, you think of this, mulga-studded plains giving way to treeless horizons, vivid sunsets and incomprehensible starry skies, not to mention emus darting across the dashboard. You can stop by Dalby, St George and Thaminga, the 1,100 kilometres it links Brisbane and the South Australia in Aminka. It's adventurous, hence the name, as well as accessible, even with a caravan in tow. Don't miss floating along the beautiful Baloney River with Sandytown River Cruises, then taking a picture with the Kanamala Fella statue, made famous by the slim, dusty song of the name name. You can scrub up at Ulu's Artesian Mud Bars and visit the historic Burke and Wills Dig Tree site. Care should be taken when overtaking road trains, ensuring that you have a clear sign, line of sight and allow plenty of room and be prepared for vehicles to move a little from side as you pass. Plenty of places to stay. There's uh, the Delby Tourist Park with aquatic centre and features sites and cabins. There's riverside caravan parks and camping sites all along the way. So put that one on the bucket list, Outback Queensland Adventure Way Road Trip. New South Wales. Well, travel time, they say, uh, for the Grand Pacific Drive, two to three days. And it is postcard perfect. It's it's a jaunt south of uh, Sydney and it packs a punch. It's a family road trip in Australia which combines some of the country's most beautiful beaches, dramatic cliff faces and impressive engineering feats. The 140 uh, across the Sea Cliff Bridge, which is a cantilever road that curves around the shore 50 metres out to sea. And on a return trip through Berry, the Kangaroo Valley and the Southern Highlands and you have yourself a perfect long weekend away. And there's you can take a pick of heaps of places of accommodation. Another one for New South Wales is the Kidman Way. You'll find this family road trip is named after Sir Sidney Kidman. In 1899, he founded S. Kidman & Co., which eventually became one of the world's largest pastoral rather companies. The pioneer long nurtured a, via, a vision rather for opening up the vast interior of New South Wales, and the resulting Kidman Way is quintessentially outback Australian. It's from Albury rather in New South Wales to Burke. It's a 830-kilometre odyssey, takes in a number of charming shires and deliciously remote national parks. You can sip on a beverage at the tallest bar in the southern hemisphere, Marawaga's Black Stump Hotel. It was built so horsemen could trot in and order without dismantling, dismantling, dismantling 
dismounting from the horses. You can purchase a meal with the Cobar Quib, yet it has its own currency. Hop aboard the retro bus at Catania Fruit Salad Farm and drop a line in the Murrumbidgee, Lachlan or the Darling Rivers. Again, please, please, plenty of places to stop. For Victoria, the Great Asian Road, we've put that one on the list as well. Simply put, it's a rite of passage for Aussie families with its koala-filled canopies, ace surf breaks, pretty seaside towns, crashing waves of the Southern Ocean, and, of course, those striking 12 apostles, of which there are now only eight. Perhaps the most famous road trip on the list, the Great Ocean Road stretches 243 kilometres along Victoria's southern coast from Torquay to Allensford, and don't miss pit stops at Gibson Steps, uh, Lockhart Gorge and the rainforest of the the Great Otway National Park. And what Aussie road trip wouldn't be complete without Tasmania? The Great Eastern Drive of the Tasmanian Road Trips. It's a blindingly beautiful coastline. Allow five days for this one. With thriving food and wine scene, dozens of charming historic towns, Tassie's East Coast somehow remains really crowd-free. I don't know why. Here the air is so fresh, the sapphire blue bays are empty and the seafood is finger-licking good. It is brilliant. You'll discover so many beautiful crowd-free beaches to stop in at. There's loads of fresh seafood to be eaten with honourable mentions going to the Lobster Shack at Michinow. The route charters around 176 kilometres from Hobart to the Bay of Fires, stopping off at the National Parks along the way. It's a great option if you're short on time too. And don't miss walking among wombats while exploring the kaleidoscope cliffs of Maria Island if you want to extend check out Port Arthur. Save money on car rental and bring your own from Melbourne on the Spirit of Tasmania Ferry. And again, a heap of places, caravan parks, there's B&Bs, motels, pubs, plenty of places to stay. The Western Explorer Tasmanian road trip, allow two to four days of this one. Just so you know, there's a thoroughfare that's been dubbed the Road to Nowhere is going to be nothing short of phenomenal. Tasmania's west coast is full of incredibly lush green rainforests. It's one of the least rather explored areas of Tasmania due to its winding roads and off-the-beaten-track tourist attractions. The Western Explorer might be Tasmania's best-kept secret. And this road trip winds through the lush Tarkine rainforest in the northwest of the state. And more often than not, your journey is enjoyed without any other vehicles in sight. These spectacularly wild 283-kilometre road trips connect Strawn and Stanley and you'll pass through Arthur River and the fishing settlements like Kuta Rocks and Tema, then discover the gold rush town of Kruna that is hidden deep in the woods. And don't miss the ferry trip across the Pyman River to the Fat Man Barge, then walking through the Zian Spray Tunnel, which is a 100-metre abandoned railway. And lastly, sandboarding the lofty Henty Dunes, which rise 30 metres behind Tasmania's longest beach. Watch out for wildlife when you're driving keep your eyes peeled for elusive platypus echinas wombats bandicoots and quolls and fun fact this part of tasmania was the last known habitat of the tasmanian tiger there is plenty of places to see the wild west of tasmania it is family friendly road trips are the best way to discover tasmania's stunning coastline the historic towns and the untamed wilderness Make sure that you put these ones down on the bucket list if you're not doing them in the school holidays put them down the bucket list of places to see and do and if there's a road trip that I haven't covered that you've done and you think we should feature it, drop me a line. You can email us at fatcat at iinet.net.au. Give me a phone call or SMS 0427528467. Don't forget you can follow us too on Instagram and Facebook and on YouTube. That's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Love to grab your feedback, so feel free to share the show and give us some of your feedback on how we're doing. My name's Nikki Shea. You've been listening to the Road Less Travel Podcast, and I hope to catch you out there very soon on the road. Thanks for listening. Take care, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye for now.
Thanks for listening. The Road Less Travelled is presented by Nikki Shea and produced by Fat Cat Media.